This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. We'll take a deep dive into the Peloton situation coming up in our next segment. Right now, let's look at today's data on jobs, the service sector, and rising lumber prices. We're joined by Gus Fauché, Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Gus, let's begin with the private payroll number from ADP. Kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of it and what you make of it. Um, Yeah, so ADP reported that the private sector added more than 700,000 jobs in April. That's the best number since September. Uh, And that bodes very well for when we get the official government jobs report uh, on Friday. So uh, I think April was a very good month for the U.S. labor market, and the next few months ahead are likely to be very good as well. And what do we need to really get the economy, I guess, back to pre-pandemic levels? I'm going to guess it's several months of significant job growth. That's right. I mean, we're still down by 8 million jobs from where we were before the pandemic. Uh, so we have a lot of lost ground to make up. But the good news is, is it was stimulus payments uh, with people getting vaccinated and feel more, feeling more comfortable going out, out with schools reopening, all those types of things. Uh, we should see very strong job growth through the rest of this year and into 2022. Are we able yet to dig down into the numbers? Maybe it's too early, but to see, uh, are these job gains widespread among industries or Are there certain industries that are maybe ahead of others? Um, We're seeing a lot of hiring, not surprisingly, in leisure hospitality services. So restaurants, entertainment, hotels, that type of thing. Obviously, we had enormous job losses in that industry. Uh, So we're starting to see it come back as people feel more comfortable going out and going to a restaurant or going on vacation. Let's talk about this lumber shortage. I've been just absolutely fascinated by this as I've talked with a lot of builders who say they have to price new homes way above what they did just six months ago or a year ago. Sometimes the the customers think they're playing games with the numbers, but they're not. It's real. Lumber's expensive these days. That, that's right. Very strong demand for lumber right now. New home sales are very high. Housing starts are very high. So we're putting up huge numbers of homes. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, we're seeing uh, some sawmills that were closed. Uh, we have tariffs on imports of lumber from Canada, so that's restricting supply. Um, so it's going to take some time to, to even out. I do think that we will see more supply. I do think that high prices will deter some home building. Uh, but right now, the, the high lumber prices are a real concern strain on on stronger growth in the housing industry. And uh, turning that around, I mean, some people go, well, you know, there's a lot of trees out there. Why don't you cut some more down? But it's just not as simple as that. 
That's right. You need to have the capacity at the sawmills. Uh, and in particular, I think a lot of Canadian producers are reluctant to make the investment necessary until they're sure that we won't see higher tariffs on, on imports from Canada to the United States. Thank you so much for all of the analysis. That is Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services. Just ahead, a major treadmill recall by exercise equipment maker Peloton. A major recall is underway involving exercise equipment maker Peloton. It's calling back two entire treadmill models, the Tread Plus and the Tread, following reports of numerous injuries and at least one death. The stock getting hit today, 82.65 a share. That is down 14.5%. Let's get some more details now about what's going on with Peloton. Landon Luxembourg is here, senior analyst at Third Bridge in New York City. Landon, good to have you on the show. What can you tell us? Thanks for having me on, Cisco. Definitely uh, an un- unfortunate timing for, for Peloton right now. Uh, there was an anticipated release of their of their tread treadmill product uh, May 27th. Uh, this is likely a risk at this point. And obviously, as the economy reopens, uh, there's going to be a lot of options for consumers to address their fitness needs. So it is definitely not the best time for this sort of uh, recall to happen. Um, you know, we're seeing, of course, people that frequented boutique fitness um, also having that as an option again. Um, and heightened consumer scrutiny will definitely uh, be a major risk for Peloton going forward. And is this something where they, they literally just take the uh, the treadmills back? I mean, people are shipping them back to Peloton. I mean, how do you even do a recall like this? It will definitely take a lot of a lot of there are definitely a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, one uh, possibility is a full refund, uh, but likely for those that do want the product out of their homes, Peloton will likely have to uh, take it back and, and address it somehow. Uh, clearly, there, you know there are some uh, there, there is a bit of reconfiguration and design uh, engineering that has to be undertaken on that front. Uh, but right now. Uh, I mean, really, their, their biggest concern is, is really negative press around uh, the issue at stake. And so uh, going forward here, does Peloton have to figure out how to modify these? I'm thinking that's what automakers sometimes do is they come up with a fix around it, or do they just go back to the drawing board in designing these treadmills? Uh, one of two things. So they, they could likely have some sort of software lockout, so maybe some sort of software update. Uh Further integrating some of the, face, the safety features that already do uh, exist in play, or are in place, um, or likely some physical guard uh, that will prevent any sort of incidents going forward. Um, obviously, with the tread treadmill uh, not yet released, um, that can that can you know obviously they can, they can address that right away. But with the tread plus that were already in consumers' homes, uh, likely the easy the easy quick fix would be some some sort of software push if possible. Uh, but it seems like the physical solution might be the the more um, the, the, the more uh, feasible one um, at this point. And they probably have to deal with government regulators too. Whatever the fix is, they can't just put it out there. They have to deal with the feds and make sure they're okay with it. That is correct. The, the Consumer Product Safety Commission um, actually they're the ones that that basically uh, put out the, the warning for consumers. Um, and of course, this obviously scrutinized uh, Peloton for these safety features. Originally, they had said a recall was, was not uh, in, in at stake, but now obviously they've, they've uh, looked at it again and said, okay, now we really do need this to, to be recalled. And 
Um, on, on, again, it's getting a lot of negative press, so definitely not good for them uh, at this point. Especially, and you touched on this at the beginning, especially given the fact that with the pandemic, so many people have been buying their products to work out at home. That is correct. And there's a, there's a flurry of competitors coming on, online as well. We have Echelon with wide distribution at, at Dick's Sporting Goods at Costco. Uh, we have Echelon, sorry, not Echelon. We have uh, Icon's Nordic Track as well. So there are a lot of options coming online. Uh, you don't just, you know, have to look at, you know, you don't just look to Peloton anymore for, for those uh, sorts of products. Uh, you can now find them at a wide range of, of, of price, of, of different price ranges. And of course, uh, you know, you, you can pick them up yourself from a Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, you know, you don't have to wait on, on Peloton uh, any longer to, to deliver it to your home. Thanks so much, Landon Luxembourg, senior analyst at Third Bridge in New York City. Again, Peloton stock getting hammered today, down about 14.5%. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Cryptocurrencies are all the talk among investors these days, but has the market gotten a little frothy? Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital here in Chicago. He's the author of the book Calculated Risk. Uh, Michael, always good to talk with you. I mean, it seems like some of these cryptocurrencies are rising double digits every day. Does that mean that people should be wary of them? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on. I mean, that is a uh, certainly a characteristic of of a panic buying situation but it also could be a characteristic of just something that was undervalued and people are are starting to realize there is value here which is it uh, you know what you'll have to wait and see to be honest with you i i i'm not sure there are certainly some of these coins that are flying up right now are going to end up going to zero i mean there's thousands of of different altcoins out there um, and some of them are, are uh, most of them are going to end up being worth zero but you look at some of these returns I mean I'm looking at six month returns on some of these coins Dogecoin 200x meaning it's gone up 200 times its value in six months that's that's basically the equivalent of taking a startup company and going public uh, which usually takes 10 years to do that's the kind of return you'd get if you if you manage to be able to do that dogecoin did it in six months um and and even in the last month you look at some of these coins they're up 10x in dogecoin ether's up 50 percent litecoin's up 80 percent interestingly enough bitcoin is flat in the last month so what it appears to me is that a lot of the bitcoin profits People are taking some profits and they're buying down the line here some of these altcoins that that maybe are are cheaper on a dollar basis and maybe have in their minds they 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 have better upside. So that seems to be what's happening right now is people are rolling out of Bitcoin and into some of these other altcoins. Well, because what they're thinking is, uh, you know, Bitcoin, it's not necessarily going to be up double digits anytime soon. But if you can buy some of these other coins for pennies, uh, they're thinking it's much easier than to make 50, 60, 100, 200 percent. Right. And and so a lot of these coins now are tradable on Robinhood and other other uh, um, ways that, that, you know, a year ago were not possible. So now you can... You know, you can buy and sell Dogecoin uh, on Robinhood, and 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 so that's why you know the, the accessibility is there, and it wasn't there a year ago. So 
people can 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 gamble and 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 do what they want and with a lot of these coins and it wasn't possible before so that's part of what's driving this as well it doesn't mean these 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 coins are overpriced i mean some certainly are cuz like i said most of these coins are going to zero but some of them are going to uh, be around forever, and 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 they're going to drive a lot of the uh, uh, technological advances going forward. I think Ethereum's a good example with their ability to uh, create NFTs. I mean, that's a hot area, and the the number one coin for that is is Ether, and so you could make a case for that. And the overall value of all these coins combined is still about $2 trillion. That sounds like a lot of money because it is. But, um, but when you compare it to the U.S. stock market, which is $50 trillion, and the value of just gold itself is $7 trillion. So, you know, the, all these coins combined, certainly Bitcoin is half of that value of, one, of $2 trillion. Bitcoin is $1 trillion. You know, you can, make an, uh, you can make a case that these things still could, could run a lot more. It's just you, you wonder when is there going to be a pause and how bad is that downturn going to be when it does happen. Thank you so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. <laughs> The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. There's more to your life's milestones than just birthday cake. We'll talk about it. Personal Finance Wednesday, the end of an era. With just one exception, CME Group is leaving its Chicago doors closed for good. News we're following. Former President Donald Trump's Facebook account will remain closed for now. Wall Street, the Dow up 128, the Nasdaq is up 36, and the S&P is up 14 points. Oil is down right about a half a percent. Sunshine throughout Chicagoland, 57 degrees at O'Hare, 51 degrees downtown. Former President Trump's Facebook account will remain closed for at least six more months. I'm Peter King. Facebook's oversight board says former President Trump's accounts there and on Instagram will stay suspended for now because of comments he made that violated the site's standards and fueled the Capitol riots January 6th. The board found Mr. Trump's words to rioters, quote, legitimized their violent actions, but it also found that Facebook acted inconsistently with its normal standards for suspending accounts because there was no time limit. Co-chair Michael McConnell. It must either restore Mr. Trump's account, finding that the period of suspension has met its purpose, make the suspension permanent, or suspend the account for a determinate period of time. It's given Facebook six months to complete a review. Peter King, CBS News. The CDC's rental eviction moratorium is in trouble. The order froze evictions last year. It would have left many renters on the streets. Now a federal judge has ruled the CDC exceeded its authority. The decision is a win for a coalition of property owners and realtors. It's not clear whether the government will appeal. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and listen to WBBM anytime. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are rising a bit today. The Dow up 131. The Nasdaq is up 39 and the S&P is up 15. Joining us with a look at what's going on on Wall Street, Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. Shah, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? I think it's a worthwhile bounce to take notice of after what happened yesterday. Cisco, we, what we saw obviously was uh, talk of rising interest rates out of Janet Yellen, and uh, that sort of, I believe, misplaced uh, 
uh, conversation that she had in front of a public audience uh, set the markets a little bit on fire yesterday. We seem to be calming down today, so uh, we'll see how we close. But uh, it was scary yesterday in terms of uh, the NASDAQ falling uh, more than 400 points, uh, just shy of 3%, recovering um, for reasonable loss of, uh, you know, down 1.88%. But, um, you know, a little bit of a dead cat bounce here today, uh, but hopefully we can close stronger and, and get back to marching higher as we were before this dust up once again over rising rates. Are we waiting for some kind of a catalyst? I don't know what it would be, but some sort of a catalyst to really get these markets growing again? I think the catalyst is there, Cisco. We know, we know we've got stimulus money floating around. Uh, we're probably going to have a lot of, uh, I would think, infrastructure spending coming down the pike. Um, how long that might take to manifest itself, maybe six months, a year. But we know it's coming, and I think markets are looking forward to that. In the meantime, households are in tremendously good shape. Savings rate is the highest on record, and everybody seems to think that as we get increasingly vaccinated and the economy opens up, this economy is is going to just continue to not grind but explode higher. So I think that all bodes well for the markets. They are in a place where they just are you know, hopefully getting past some nervousness about rising rates, which we're going to see anyway. And I think they've got room for another leg higher. Is there concern, it almost sounds silly to talk about now, but an overheated economy, if we get moving too quickly again, again, it sounds silly because we want to rebound from everything we've dealt with over the past year. No, I don't think there's much concern about overheated economy unless that leads to rapidly rising interest rates. That's the only real concern that investors have. And I don't think while we're going to see rising rates, I don't think we're going to see rapidly rising rates because the Fed has said that they will do what they have to to keep them moderately increasing. They didn't use, that's my word, increasing because they know that there is inflation out there. They know that the bond vigilantes are going to start pushing rates higher. And as long as it's measured and uh, steady, and not crazy, then the markets can handle it and the Fed will do whatever they have to do if it does get out of control. So that's not the market's worry. I think the market's worry is is crazy speculation in in some areas that could lead to some rapid selling and maybe some margin selling and some kind of negative feedback. That's the only prima facie concern I have regarding the markets up here. As people are looking at investing, any sectors that you believe are uh, poised to do well, at least in the near term? Energy is, has done well. I think it's going to continue to do well. Uh, all the talk about EVs uh, notwithstanding, we are still in, uh, you know, in the age of uh, carbon man. And so we're certainly going to see, I think, rising demand for crude. And we see crude pricing you know, heading towards, as far as WTI, heading north towards 70. Um, I, I have a 75 call on there by the end of the summer. Uh, I, I, they may be higher by the end of the summer. So I think energy looks pretty good in here. Uh, a lot of these companies have been sold short. The stocks have been pounded. They've, they've risen and they have, uh, I think, a good bit higher to go. I also love the financials in here as part of that cyclical rotation. And I think uh, as long as the economy does well, continues to do well, I think the financials will continue to climb. What about uh, Peloton? I mean, it's down 14.5% today because of a big recall. Should investors at least be thinking about Peloton? Yes, as scary as Peloton looks right now, and it looks scary to me because uh, it had been coming down and it just broke support, uh, I'd say probably around 95, and it kind of just 
really crushed through there. And now at 82, you're, you're a little bit, I'd be a little nervous about getting in, but I think it's a great company. Uh, the metrics are fabulous as far as you know, you've got tremendous revenues at close to $3 billion, makes good money, has tremendous cash flow, uh, great cash position at over $2 billion, and not a tremendous amount of debt, about $620 million. So it's a well-run company, very profitable, and I think investors would, should start looking for a spot to get in. Thanks so much, Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. Just ahead, preparing for the financial milestones in your life, it's Personal Finance Wednesday. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A reminder, a podcast to the Noon Business Hour, always available at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour. Birthday cakes are time-honored traditions in some of life's most important milestones. But with advancing age, you'll need more than just cake to maintain an adequate quality of life. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer at Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, it's good to have you with us. Uh, so, I mean, let's begin, I guess, with age 50. Maybe we'll move up the ladder here a little bit. At age 50, when someone hits that milestone, what do they need to know and do? You're right. Birthdays matter. When it comes to finance at age 50, all I think about is it's time to start getting caught up. When I say getting caught up, I'm talking about the ability to contribute more to our 401k plans, put more money into our IRAs. That's what age 50 means for us as retirement savers. And so that's 50. What about 55? It seems like there are these little age milestones. Well, there is. And at 55, I want to make sure everybody understands that you're in a position, if you have a workplace retirement plan, aka your 401k, you can start accessing those 401k dollars if you've been separated from service without paying a 10% penalty. Too many people think it's the age of 59 and a half, but with your 401k, it's actually the age of 55. Oh, wait. So it's 59 and a half. What, that, that's sort of uh, when you can normally take it out without penalty, 55? if you've been laid off or something like that? Yeah, that's exactly it. So if you find yourself, I legally call it separated from service, you quit, you're fired, you're retired, whatever it might be, you have access to that 401k beginning at the age of 55. But for everybody else, most people have money in IRAs, IRA rollovers, etc. And for everybody turning the magic age of 59 and a half, that'll be the first age that we can start taking money from both our workplace plans and our IRAs without paying that 10% premature distribution penalty. And in in addition to that, if you find that the investment options in your current workplace plan are limiting, at the age of 59 and a half, a lot of people might be able to do an in-service distribution to an IRA, which under the right circumstances could give you more investment flexibility. Now, help us here, just to make sure it's clear in my brain here. So the difference in withdrawals from a 401k or 403b and an IRA, are, are there any differences in regard to the penalties. And the reason I'm asking is because some people over the years, they leave an employer and they roll that money into an IRA. Is that going to affect them at all? Or is it pretty much the same rules? No. So generally speaking, for all 401k plans, all IRAs, the easy statement is you can't start accessing your monies 
until the age of 59 and a half if you want to avoid that 10% premature distribution penalty. Place retirement plan, aka your 401k, as long as you're 55 or older, which is younger than 59 and a half, you can start tapping that money at that point in time. So the takeaway from this is don't just blindly roll your 401k into an IRA, depending on your age, there might be a reason to leave some dollars in that 401k plan for accessibility at the age of 55. That's really interesting. Uh, let's step up the ladder a little bit here. Let's get up to 72 years old. Uh, the government at some point wants its money, doesn't it? Well, they did. And of course, it used to be 70 and a half. You fast forwarded for us. So now it's the age of 72. And at the age of 72, that's when we need to start taking these required minimum distributions from our various retirement plans. And it's important to do the calculation right. It's important to make the withdrawals because if you fail to take the amount out that the government requires you to, you have to pay a penalty in Cisco that penalty is as high as 50%. I don't think anybody wants to take a 50% haircut. So once you hit 72, time those required minimum distributions and calculate those required minimum distributions flawlessly. Thanks so much for all of the information. That's Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer at Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. That's Personal Finance Wednesday, this time tomorrow, Technology Thursday. Still to come today, the sun is setting on all but one of the last commodity trading pits in Chicago. Making sense of your dollars, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's the end of an era for Chicago's commodity trading pits. After being shut down by COVID last year, CME Group says all but one will remain closed for good. Let's talk about it with Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. Uh, Phil, you, you have some experience with these trading pits, don't you? Oh, my goodness. Yes. You know, more than I like to admit, you know, we started, I started down as a runner on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange uh, back in 1979. And boy, I still remember the first time I walked down on that floor, it was like you were in a different world. I mean, the amount of people, the activity, uh, the seriousness of people <laughs> in the trading pits, it was just overwhelming. And it's really a sad day for the city of Chicago to see this coming to an end. So uh, what happens? I mean, it's just all online. It's just not necessary anymore. Well, it is, uh, you know, gone electronic. You know, 90% of all the trading is done electronic. Uh, there is one pit, the Eurodollar uh, options pit, that is staying uh, in place, which is going to be the last trading pit ever, and they're going to have a little bit of pride in that, right? Um, you know, and uh, they're trading the options, and there's so many option combinations in the Eurodollar, uh, they're able to survive when a lot of them can't. But, um, you know, when you look at this, this is – really a story not just about the trading floor, but the city of Chicago. When you look at that trading floor, you look at the careers that were made, uh, you know, dreams that were made, fortunes that were made, and fortunes that were lost, really tells the story of Chicago. You know, that, that get-up-and-go spirit, that can-do spirit, that was reflected a lot on those trading floors, and it's kind of sad to see it go. So the pit that will remain open, what's the benefit to that? I mean, given the fact that you've already mentioned everything is really electronic now. 
Well, the uh, euro-dollar futures is uh, short-term interest rates, and it basically trades out years and years and years and years. And uh, because there's so many option combinations, a lot of the traders in the pits make markets. It's almost like they're market makers for the pit. And you know, and and the difference between the trading pits, you know, the trade, you know, computers don't take risk to to do a trade, right? To make a trade happen, the trading. Uh, players in the euro dollar pit still do and that's why what's keeping them hanging on when everybody else has gone to the wayside sort of a a sad moment a nostalgic moment and yet this progress has actually been good for a lot of investors it really has been. I mean, there's no doubt that electronic trading is a lot faster. Uh, it's changed the way we've done trading. And it's actually opened the door to a lot more investors that were, were not able to participate in the markets. You've heard of the Reddit crowd. You've heard of these computer guys. A lot of this has happened, and it's changed the way we trade. You know, the way that I the people traded when I got into this business in 1979 has dramatically changed. And, uh, you know, a lot of traders knew this day was coming. But make no mistake about it, there's going to be a lot of sadness to see it go. Sure is. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.